Welcome to Lethal Lullabies, the podcast that takes you on a relaxing journey into the action-packed world of your favorite films. This story is part three of our four-part retelling of the latest Predator film, Prey. Our heroine, Naru, has battled her tribe's expectations, her own fear, and now she lays the groundwork to battle the menacing Yauja. It's going to take courage and quite a few deep, calming breaths in. And then out. And another in. And out. But before we get started, please take a moment to follow the show or write a review. Every click or play really helps us get this podcast off the ground and into bed. Now, breathe with Nadu in and then out. Ready? All right. Find a good pillow and your trustiest blade and get ready for lethal lullabies sedator pray for sleep part three Weighted down and heavy with fatigue, Naru heads back to the stream to wash away the cold sediment coating her body and weapon. She dips her hand into the cool water, the gentle rush pulls the muck away. She plunges her arm in deeper. The mud had started to dry and crack, but the stream easily sucks it all away. It's a nice feeling. Naru wades into the stream and allows the water 
to wash over every inch of her. Last to clean are her weapons. She washes her father's hatchet with a gentle reverence, then cleans her bowstring, splashing water on the instrument reminds her of her brother and his kathamia. Right now, she misses him and his long, boring stories. But she knows that she has to do this with or without him. Naru's introspection is interrupted by a deep growl in the distance. It's not the odd clicking sound that she had heard before. This is the rumble of a hungry bear. Naru packs her bow and calls to Sari. A little further downstream, they see the bear dining on its supper without a concern in the world. Naru sneaks a little closer. The wind rolls past her, carrying her scent down to the feasting bear. It lifts its nose into the air. Naru preps her bow. She hasn't scoped the area or made a plan, but she can't run away now. She needs to be a hunter like her brother and the others from her tribe. She pulls back on the bow, but the moisture has made it weak. The bow string snaps with a quick pop, as if cued by the sound. The bear runs towards her. Sari tries to pull the bear's attention, barking and racing around the creature. The bear's strong limbs propel it easily over the rocks. But Sari is doing well to divide its attention. Naru restrings her bow and prepares for another attack. But something doesn't feel quite right. Every bone in her body says she can't win this fight. However, she convinces herself 
that she needs this win. Only once she has put this bear to sleep will the voices in her head become silent and her restless body relax. The bear barrels towards her and her mother's words ring through her mind. Katamiya isn't about proving you can hunt. Naru launches an arrow, but it does nothing to slow the bear. Katamiya is about surviving. Naru turns to the river. There's a cozy home for beavers built across the flowing waters. The wooden walls could offer some safety. So Naru dives into the crisp water and swims towards the dam. The bear pushes against the piles of branches that make up her sanctuary. Little by little, the wood creaks and bends under the weight of the bear. The cozy beaver bedroom might be Naru's final resting place after all. But suddenly, the bear stops. Naru hears the clicking from before. Her prey has followed her path to this spot and it has found in her stead the towering, hungry bear. The bear lumbers over to the sound, even though whatever stands there cannot be seen by the naked eye. With a hollow, Roar. The bear wraps its invisible prey into a strong, warm bear hug. Naru notices a flash of orange light where the bear makes contact with the invisible creature. Almost as if the bear's hug is forcing it to reveal itself. Bear and prey both roll down into the stream, pulling each other over and over. Each challenges the other in bare-handed combat. 
until the true predator stands victorious and the bear drifts off to sleep. Its full weight relaxes onto the invisible attacker, allowing Nadu to visualize her prey's stature and shape. It's massive, like the bear, with arms and legs like a man and a head like nothing she has ever seen. Her mother used to tell her stories of such a creature before she would tuck Nadu into bed. Her mother said the Mupits were giant man eating creatures from the sky, too powerful for any single hunter to face. Naru had always liked the stories. Her mother would tell the tales in whispers at the fire and try to make her jump, but she never did. With the bear now asleep, the victorious creature turns its sights on Nadu's cozy hideaway. Perhaps he wants to snuggle in and take a rest after straining so hard to put the bear to bed. But Naru doubts it. She leaves the beaver's den free for the Mupits and floats down the river. The Mupits watches her leave. Maybe he really is as tired as she is. Once Naru puts some distance between her and the Mupits, she makes her way to the shore. Her people need to know about this new creature. It may take many hunters and a well-thought-out plan to ensure their camp is safe. After everything she has been through, Naru's heart is a little lighter. She may not be returning home with a prize to show off her hunting prowess. By following her gut, she will be able to return with the information that could keep them all safe.
This hunt was not for her alone. It was for her family and her friends. It's a good thought, strong enough even to silence the worries in her mind, not simply push them away. Naru's tribesmen find her before she can make her way back home. They have been sent out by her brother to track her down beyond the ridge. He is searching along the other side of the valley. Naru is happy to see them but the hunters don't seem quite so happy to see her. They are all tired from the long search. The ridge line is a long ways out from their camp, and they have been walking through the woods all day long. When they finally encounter Naru, they know they still have that long, long walk back home. Each step echoes through their minds. How long will it take before they are safe at home with warm fires and full bellies. But Naru cannot head home, not yet. She tells them about the Mupits. Now she must find her brother and tell him too. The hunters can't go home without her, and no one wants to trek even further beyond the ridge. They are all so tired. Why won't Naru simply come home with them she never seems sleepy. Her mind is always buzzing. Maybe they will need her to fall asleep before they can bring her home. Naru's mind can't rest when she knows her brother is walking towards the Mupits. The others can rest if they want to. They can head back to the camp and stretch their weary muscles. But she must track 
down her brother so that he can make a safe journey home without falling prey to an untimely rest. One of the hunters tries to hug Naru like the bear and pull her to the soft earth. Naru continues the rolling motion, adding the hunter's strength to her own and pulling him down with her. The two tussle on the ground. Naru is resolved to win, but she is more tired than she realized, and there are more hunters ready and willing to make her nap than she would have guessed. She can't put them all to sleep, and they slowly overwhelm her. The world goes dark, and Naru drifts off. The last thing she hears is a gentle clicking sound. The hunters trudge together towards camp with Naru in tow. As they move, Naru listens to the sound of the forest. Six hunters walking as one creates a sort of heartbeat. The thud, thud, thud of their feet in unison echoes throughout the trees. Their spears are poised and angled out in every direction. As a group, they are a fearsome predator. But there is another sound making its way through the trees. Her companions think the distant clicks are birds or bark bending in the wind. But Naru knows the truth. Grass rustles nearby and the party turns to the sound. A possum peeks its head out from behind the tall weeds. It's running from something. One of the hunters investigates. He turns. Three tiny red dots speckle his face, but he can't feel their weight. 
These are not bugs, he thinks. They're more like rays of light, like the sun as it first peaks up over the horizon on a sleepy, misty morning. The twang of a mechanical bow bellows through the woods, and the hunter falls to the ground, dreaming of his misty morning sun. Three arrows rest in his chest. It seems Nadu was telling the truth after all. The Mupits has found them. The rest of the hunters call out their best war cries and ready themselves for the hunt. The Mupits is eager to quiet their shouting and send them all to sleep. Together, this hunting party is a mighty beast, a worthy prey. He selects tools of sleep to match his opponents, bows and spears. Then he gets to work putting each limb of the great hunter collective to sleep. Naru crawls through the bedtime brawl almost unnoticed by the Mupits. She wasn't part of their united stock through the woods. She didn't point a spear or string a bow. She is a mouse in a field. And the Mupits only wants snakes. Naru has learned her lesson from the bear. She doesn't fire a shot. She runs. Her legs are strong and they carry her out of the forest and into a giant field. Here the grass grows as tall as a man, and the cicada's call fills the air. Naru finds Itzi, one of Tabe's hunting party, crouching in the grass. He heard the brawl and has been waiting here for the right moment. He's glad to see that Naru is safe. The two of them crouch.
crouch low, disappearing into the field. Itzy communicates with Naru in silence. She knows the Mupits isn't far behind. Itzy draws his bow. The creaking of the bowstring blends into the gentle sound of the cicadas. In both sight and sound, the two hunters have completely melted into their surroundings. Invisible. Naru listens. There's another sound hidden amongst those of the field. The click, click of the Mupitzel. Itsy smiles. We've got him, he says. But Naru looks up to his face and sees three glowing red dots. Her heart sinks and she reaches for Itzy. No, she says, he's got us. She pulls Itzy to the ground, keeping him safe from the shining arrows flying past. The two take off through the field. They are both strong runners and their legs carry them swiftly through the tall grass. But the Mupits is strong and swift too. A giant claw reaches out from his arm and meets Itzy, who falls asleep then and there. Naru focuses her breath. She keeps her body strong and her mind clear. And she runs. She takes cover in some trees nearby. But the Mupits is exceptional at tracking. Trees will not guard her for long. She looks around. She's been here before with Sari when they were hunting the deer. She hears a familiar snap and feels a sharp sting on her ankle. She's caught in the same type of snare that once held Sari's tail. Naru tries to open the strange jaw 
biting down on her. But the long day has taken so much out of her. The bear, the brawling, and now this trap are all pushing her towards sleep. The Mupits makes its way through the trees and finds Naru so tired laying on the ground. It walks up to her. At this distance, Naru can see the creature's outline. The flicker of the light rolling over it, even though its true form is still hidden. Men's voices in a foreign tongue dapple through the forest nearby. The Mupits scouts the oncoming party. These are not the hunters he's been tracking. However, their weapons catch the creature's attention. Naru isn't a predator, so she's not good prey. But this new party might be exactly what the Mupits is looking for. He leaves Naru to the approaching men and heads off into the woods between the trap at her ankle and the men approaching. Naru is stuck between a nap and a hard place. She closes her eyes and lets the sleep wash over her. Naru stirs awake in a wooden cage at the center of the foreign hunter's camp. They mutter to each other and stoke the fire nearby. The noisy thoughts in Naru's mind begin to race. There are many things in this camp that she has seen before. The trap that grabbed her and Sari sit in a pile along the tents. The smell of tobacco wafts from a cigar gripped between one hunter's teeth. Naru glares at the men, coated in warm blankets that had been stolen from the buffalo. And she realizes the Mupits 
isn't the only foreign hunter in these lands. Sari whines from the other side of the camp, and Nadu's heart sinks. What else have these hunters found while tracking through her forest? One of the men comes forward. He asks Nadu in her language to tell him what she saw. It's odd hearing this man use her people's words. They don't fit him, but she knows why he is asking. Even these hunters cannot stand up to the Mupits alone. This one wants her help, or at least her information. Still, Naru doesn't trust these men. She cannot understand their whispers, but she knows their mannerisms. They are anxious, boastful, and hungry. One of the hunters makes his way to another cage and reveals Tabe trapped inside. This hunter doesn't wait for Naru's intel. This hunter has a different plan. He pulls Naru and Tabe out to a scorched and barren forest and ties the siblings to an old tree. The day has been so long, and the sun is nearly below the horizon. Its last flickers of light dance through the heavy smoke that permeates the toasted wood. Nearby, the foreign hunters wait with guns and horses for the creature to take their bait. Naru knows the Mupits doesn't want bait, but this knowledge doesn't free her from the tree. And bait or not, she is sure they will not want to be nearby when the predator comes for its real prey. She needs a plan. 
one that takes away the predator's advantage of invisibility. One that concerns itself with his superior strength and advanced weapons. One that involves her and Tabe not attached to a tree, even tied with his back to his sister. Tabe senses the same resolve in her that he had always admired. They might be going to sleep very soon, but here she is, still defiant as ever. He asks her, The thing the white men are tracking, that's what you went out after? Naru nods. Yes. Tabe can't help but chuckle. That's what you chose for your katamiya. It's not really a question. When Tabe really thinks about it, he can't imagine anything more fitting for his brave, driven sister. This is Naru's big hunt now. He's ready to take her lead. And Naru's ready to take charge. The foreign hunters don't know it yet, but their numbers are dwindling. Without making a sound, the Mupits sleep one hunter after another. Those mounted on horses drop to the ground and soon a whole herd of riderless horses gallop across the ashen woods. Click. The predator closes in on the next rank of men, all lined up with their guns ready. None of them want to go to bed, so they fire their guns and quickly reload. Bullets pelt the reflective edges of their pursuer, causing flickers of orange light where they make contact. Still, nothing seems to slow the predator down. The Mubits handles each with arrows and brute strength. 
sending each man to sleep in his own unique way. One hunter is launched high into the air, crashing to sleep as he meets the earth. Another finds his sleep after being pinned to a tree. And another drifts off in many pieces across the woods. Smoke and ash swirl through the darkened sky, coating the sleeping men as well as the Mupits. As the ash strikes against the advancing creature, its reflective skin sparks red. With so much ash in the air, the Mupits' body looks like a lightning storm. Flickers of its true form come in and out. Invisibility is of no use here. So it drops the shield, allowing Naru and Tabe to truly view their predator for the first time. Like Naru suspected, he has the body of a giant man. But much of his appearance is nothing Naru could have imagined. His skin is Scaled like a snake, but hard like a stone. His face is covered in a large skull-like mask, and his heavy, dark hair pools behind him like Hordes of rope. The predator inspects the ashy air, rubbing the substance between his massive fingers. Tabe is ready for a plan. Any plan. But Naru doesn't move. The worrying thoughts are back, whispering about the predator and what it wants. It wants to hunt other predators. It wants a challenge. But it ignored her over and over and over. Over again. 
the predator could have sent Naru to sleep at any time, but it didn't. So who was she to take on a creature like this? The voices are so loud in her head now, telling her she was never meant to be a hunter. Tabe reaches for his sister. Do you know how I put that lion to sleep? Tabe asks. It was your plan. You weakened it. You can see what I cannot. You always have. His words break through her busy thoughts. But she's still not so sure This thing can be killed. Tabe's smile returns. The one he pulls on when he teases his younger sister. If it bleeds, we can kill it. Battle cries from the foreign hunters echo in the distance. They are still pursuing the Mupits, despite their heavy losses. They come with hidden traps and nets and bullets. But nothing they do even gets a rise out of their pursuer. He is methodic in his movements, step, step, slash, step, step, slash. Naru spots one of the hunter's traps near the base of the tree they are tied to. Left there in case the Mupits ever approached the bait. She pulls it close and drops a rock into the middle to trigger the jaw. The jaw pops closed like it did with Sari and with her, but this time the teeth Dig into the rope that binds Nadu and Tabe to the tree. Tabe smiles with relief. This is the Nadu they need. Tabe takes off into the woods to retrieve horses to aid in their hunt, while Nadu returns to the foreigner's camp to save Sari and salvage what she can. 
Hopefully my voice is just an echo in your subconscious right now. But if not, let's use this opportunity to take a few breaths in and out. another in and then out thank you so much for tuning in make sure to follow lethal lullabies wherever you get your podcasts in order to receive updates on our latest releases. For longer content, consider becoming a subscriber on Spotify for $2.99 a month. You get access to our full sleep stories and maybe even some personalized content. Plus, it really helps us out. But no matter how you choose to participate, we never tire of our lovely community of sleepyheads. Thank you for your listens, likes, and action-loving vibes. Good fight and good night.